0: Ding, ding, ding. Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. Uh, I won't do my impression of the the boxing promoter in the middle of the ring, but we do have another edition of Golf Destination Face-Off and two heavyweight states in terms of quality and quantity of golf in the United States. We're we're matching them up today. Uh, Myself, this is digital editor Al Lunsford, as well as my co-host Joe Passoff. Joe, good morning. Where you are, Uh, who do we have today uh, going against each other in the ring?
1: Al, uh, I would call this a quality heavyweight battle. Uh, Wisconsin versus Michigan. A Big Ten battle, but uh, yeah, I mean, two fantastic states, especially for public golf. You know, when we think about maybe the Ali Frazier of state versus state, California against New York, if you will. Uh, So many of the great golf courses in both those states are private, you know, and and that's fine uh, for those who can access them. But for public access play, Wisconsin and Michigan uh, really, really uh, strike a, a positive chord with people who are traveling looking to play terrific golf and uh, experience you know fantastic architecture uh admittedly uh, uh, the seasons are a little short in both these places but there's just so much daylight uh to encounter during the summer that um you know you've got the opportunity to easily play 36 each day to follow up on what we did last week on the podcast yeah
0: so when you're you're thinking about summer golf trips uh, going to somewhere where uh, obviously it's warm and doable, but not overdoing it, uh, you might look towards the Midwest, and the the golfiest of the states in the Midwest are these two. Uh, Michigan, from what I could tell, has something in, in the range of 650 golf courses, depending on where you look. Uh, Wisconsin, slightly fewer than that. Uh, but there are big names on both sides of the aisle uh, and some history there as well. Michigan, well-known probably uh, for its big private course, Oakland Hills South. Uh, A lot of people know that name for the the clubhouse that caught on fire. Was that last year that that happened? That was major news in the golf world, a, a classic building that burst into flames, but... Um, it is a venue that's hosted many major championships, has on the docket the 2034 U.S. Open, and has been announced uh, the furthest out of any major championship, the 2051 U.S. Open, which Joe and I, uh, Joe, better than me, did the math on that. If you were born in 2023, you'd be about 28 years old by the time the 2051 U.S. Open gets over to Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, and Oakland Hills Country Club, the south, course, there. Uh, So there are some things in the the distant future. We can see them. They're there. Uh, It might be a while before they're back uh, in the spotlight, but uh, Michigan will get some shine in future years. Uh, What has been getting more shine, I think, though, are these – big hitters in wisconsin and maybe we can start there joe uh it it seems like wisconsin has kind of uh grabbed the golf world uh by the by the Uh collar and just shook it and said hey (laughs) we got a lot of good golf here come see it uh when you start in wisconsin where does your mind start first
1: well, honestly, uh, at what they call Destination Kohler. And uh, it's a logical place to start because it really did put public access golf course on the map for the state of Wisconsin. And in many ways, changed the notion of thinking about a, a trip to the Midwest. You know, there's always been these national kinds of destinations. Everybody from the Northeast and the uh, you know, near Midwest would go down to Myrtle Beach, for instance, or to Florida uh, to get away from, you know, the cold weather in the winter. The Midwest was always a different animal. You, you just weren't going to go there from California or New York for your golf vacation. And although we're going to get into some of Michigan's great golf courses and a campaign that was very successful for them, There was really no, you must go here no matter where you live until Kohler, Herb Kohler, who passed away last year, brought us uh, what became Black Wolf Run, the river course and the Meadow Valleys course. And that was the mid to late 1980s. And he had Pete Dye, the hottest architect in golf construct those two golf courses and start in the process of hosting big championships. And Mr. Kohler did not want to stop there. And off he went and by the late 90s had produced 10 minutes away from from Black Wolf Run Whistling Straits, which ultimately had two golf courses, the Straits and the Irish. So a, a lot to break down within destination Kohler and their golf offerings and then some fabulous other Wisconsin destinations that we know have come online, but that's where I would start. It was a magnet, uh, for folks to come see this place, a five-star five diamond kind of resort, a company town, Kohler plumbing. And, uh, it, it really set a new standard for the Midwest.
0: Like you mentioned, uh, The four 18-hole courses, exceptional variety there at Destination Kohler, the type of place you go, and you're going to get four different rounds on four different days. Uh, You're going to face the the Brute that everyone knows in Whistling Straits, uh, which is a three-time PGA Championship host, 2004, 2010, 2015, Uh, mix in a Senior Open in 2007, and, of course, the Ryder Cup in 2021. Uh, won by the Americans. I'm sure a lot of people, uh, think of that first when they're thinking of Whistling Straits as we're talking about it today. Um, almost as, as true, true to Lynx Golf as, as we, we get in the States. Uh, And you think about some of the other ones, and, um, you know, obviously Abandoned Dunes gets that, uh, distinction, but Whistling Straits on Lake Michigan, um, coastal golf you don't really think of of coastal golf in either of these states but a lot of these really good courses are bordering uh the the big lake the great lake of lake michigan and provide some of that stuff that uh, we see uh, on good ocean side courses on either side of the uh united states but uh whistling straits is one certainly uh we also know about Aaron Hills having hosted a U.S. Open recently, putting Wisconsin up there uh, on a pedestal. 2017, I believe, Brooks Kepka winner there. Uh, that's become one of the, the great destinations to visit in the state, uh, in the Midwest. Um, has just the one course. Uh, we did a piece on best one-course destinations in the United States, and that's certainly at the very top of that list. Um, let's keep it there before we go to anywhere else. Uh, Aaron Hills as this kind of modern uh, classic that has come into, into play here in Wisconsin. Um, have you been there, Joe, or do you, do you just know about it?
1: I have uh, been there and uh, played it. And although I did not uh, cover the U.S. Open in 2017, Uh, I I felt disappointed uh, for the USGA, for golf fans, um, because they set up the golf course uh, as if the wind were going to blow at least a little bit. And the wind really was not a factor, incredibly unusually so, because it was designed for that. And the anticipation was, even in mid-June, that you were going to get some wind. And unfortunately, it was just pretty calm for the most part. So I say that because you had a worthy champion and an exciting tournament and some great shots. Justin Thomas's three would, in particular, into 18 from like a million yards. But it's just like the Scots say about their great golf courses. You need the wind to bring out the elements, all the elements that were put into that golf course. So. You know, it's a mixed bag. When you say it's only 18 holes, after you've walked it, you feel like you've walked 36. It is long and strenuous as a walk, uh, not unlike Chambers Bay, but, you know, full of adventure and worthy holes and stuff that you've probably never seen before, even as it plays Lynx-like with sand underfoot and that kind of thing. So, you know... I think the jury's still out a little bit on Aaron Hills because, you know, everybody took their shots at it because it didn't play as it was advertised to play and scoring was kind of low during that U S open. And yet most of the time you tackle it, it is all the golf you want in uh, really just about unique links, like conditions from, for American golf
0: distinctly Irish in feel right I mean even down to their their logo the the three leaf clover that they have and uses their logo and um, the accommodations the the walking and the, the the sweeping dunes that they have out there kind of give you it, an Irish feel
1: yeah I mean they're massive they're billowy um, some of the Irish courses that do that um, where it just seems like the landforms are absolutely chaotic as they were when the glaciers melted and left these twists and turns and tumbles and, and all of that. Um, It's unquestionably a great golf course. You know, how does it stack up say with the Straits at Whistling Straits, which, which we know was manufactured from nothing, you know, it's an architectural achievement. It's mind boggling what Pete Dye did at Whistling Straits to conjure all of that, out of nothing, you know, basically, whereas uh, Aaron Hills, you know, had a lot of the terrain working for it. And the architects were wise enough just to move a little teaspoon here and another tablespoon there. And so, um, you know, some of the humps and bumps and landing areas, you know, are, are almost too hilly in spots. But at least you say that's natural. You know, that, that pretty much was there. So, uh, you know, a a couple of absolutely fantastic championship golf courses. Now, are we going to go back to destination Kohler for a little bit or have we, has that ship sailed?
0: Well, go ahead. If you, if you want to venture, I wanted
1: to, I wanted to say two things because (laughs) black wolf run the river course, which has hosted a couple of us women's opens in my view can play just as hard as Whistling Straits. Uh, Pete Dye, some of the greatest golf holes that he ever designed are on that river course. And Meadow Valleys is a fine course too, but the river course has some phenomenal golf holes with really thick rough. And again, your score can add up just as quick as it can on Whistling Straits, just a completely different environment. So, and uh, and, you know, Al, I should have said this at the onset, because we'll move on from here, but um, I had the perfect, perfect start (laughs) to this whole discussion. The first time that I was ever at Whistling Straits, the first round I played was the Straits course. I wanted to make sure I got that in while the weather was good and was able to check that off my life list. And my caddy, Bob, were, uh, were gazing out at the expanse of Lake Michigan. And he says, ah, the sea of Wisconsin. That's what we call it around here. So there is a rivalry between Wisconsin and Michigan, and even though it's Lake Michigan lapping at the shores of Whistling Straits, the caddies call it the Sea of Wisconsin.
0: I like that. Uh, it's the rivalry runs deep, not just between the uh, the college teams there and uh, to an extent the pro teams too, but uh, the golf courses themselves. Uh, seeing themselves as a bit of of rivals, and I'm, I'm, that's natural given that they're essentially just separated by this massive body of water, uh, and a lot of these great courses are right there on it. So, um, Sea of Wisconsin, I do I like that a lot. Um, let's go to a couple of courses that are that are not on the sea and um, or lake, if you will, uh, and. Not saying that Aaron Hills was, it's a little inland, but um, two of the other notable places, destinations for public golf, um, one that's getting championship golf, one that has not because it's it's very new, but uh, let's start with Century World, Joe. I know you just did a piece on Century World and they're set to be the next venue in this conversation that hosts a championship tournament.
1: Yes, Al, I was fortunate to play Century World a few years back with the architect, Robert Trent Jones Jr. And we had a delightful fall day, leaves blowing all over the golf course and and so forth. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, I just did a piece for Lynx that appears in the new issue. It's hosting the U.S. Open, the senior open uh, at the end of June. And, um, It's pure Parkland, and that's what's different about Century World versus Aaron Hills versus Whistling Straits versus Sand Valley, which we will get to. But I had a great quote from Bruce Charlton, who's president and chief design officer for Robert Trent Jones, the two golf course architects. He said, our design brief at the beginning of the project was to create an Augusta National of the North. It was meant to be a walk in a park, a park that happened to have really good golf holes in it. And so it's unapologetically Parkland golf and really good Parkland golf. What happened uh, about seven or eight years ago was the Jones team, including Jay Blossie, uh, who was part of the team then, a proud University of Wisconsin graduate. uh, They came back and had to change a few holes for the, for the better. Uh, there was uh, an opportunity to get some land that they wanted to work with originally that they weren't able to do, and now they had that chance. So they routed a couple of holes around the lake uh, that they had new access to, and in addition, um, were able to build in some of the more modern, fun aspects of playing golf when you can get it firm and fast, even though it's not on pure sand. And so the kick slopes and the little banks and mounds where you can use those to your advantage and run a ball in from a certain side of the green and get it closer to the hole, ton of fun stuff, really fun, beautiful walk and uh, just a slew of wonderful risk reward holes. I think the uh, competitors at the U S senior open are going to have a blast with that one.
0: When is that tournament? for those Uh,
1: end of june beginning of july is when it starts at the end of june goes into early july and uh naturally you think steve stricker would be a favorite being a wisconsin lad himself um but uh you know i I'm, i'm excited for you know to see it on television i mean i talk about the parkland aspects of it but of course they have the 16th hole the par three called the flower hole And that kind of dominates conversations about Sentry World. It's a par three with anywhere from 35,000 to 50,000 flowers planted in beds between the tea and the green and on the sides of the hole. I don't care how jaded you are or if you think it's a gimmick or not. It's gorgeous. It's unique. It's spectacular. Kind of worth a trip to Sentry World just for that. That and the bratwurst and cheese curds after the round.
0: Oh yeah, you can get that at most places um, in Wisconsin, I've, I've found. Uh, nothing like those authentic cheese curds. You know, I, I Other other places, like I've tried to get them at the grocery store and things like that. Um, it's not quite the same as, as what you get in cow country in Wisconsin. The other couple of big names I wanted to hit and... There's one that is maybe considered one of the most underrated, uh, places to, to find great golf, uh, at Lawsonia links. And I, Joe, I, I really don't know a ton about Lawsonia other than it's perennially ranked among the top 100 public courses in the country. The links course that is 1930, uh, Langford Moreau, um, are you familiar with Lawsonia in any, any kind of capacity?
1: Yeah, not uh, not as well as I should be. But having you know studied uh, Langford and Moreau and the era and so forth, it took a long time for acceptance to grow, meaning acknowledgement, awareness to grow uh, for this golf course. There's two good golf courses there, but the Lynx course was designed in this engineered style that was reminiscent of what seth rayner did so well and you know for folks that maybe didn't know about langford and moreau they were incredible uh, in their output in the midwest in, in illinois and some of the other uh, midwestern states did some work in florida too and it was a little bit of an engineered style meaning sharper lines and that's what you get at the lynx course at lasonia so you get these bunkers that are basically flat sand uh with the very steep banks uh, edges and greens that have pretty sharp fall-offs uh it's dramatic in and of itself um it, you know, it's a little more linear say than what Alistair McKenzie was doing, but, um, you know, finally folks have become cognizant that this is a very special place, especially in public golf.
0: And I can see, you know, you can go and look at their, their site and, and read some stuff about it. Um, you know, in in the, the 2010s, uh, they did what, what many other courses have done and and had a mass amount of tree removal so now you've got this wide open expanse uh, of golf course that uh, looks like you you stand on one point and you can see pretty much all the way across it um beautiful design and i I think the other aspect i'm I'm looking now of playing here is it's one of the best values you can play in terms of uh, having the opportunity to play one of these examples of of golden age architecture whereas you know a lot of courses like this are private Um, yeah I'm looking I'd seen an article that said uh, you can play it for under $100 and looking at the tee times right now uh, $70 70 dollars will get you on uh, a lot of these places are that we're talking about uh aren't exactly budget friendly uh they're fantastic golf courses and, and places to to spend a weekend trip but are gonna kind of you're gonna take a hit on the on the wallet on these uh Lawsonia is seems like an incredible value uh as a a counterpoint to that argument
1: Yeah, it's worth noting, Al, no question about it. I mean, whether we're talking about Whistling Straits, we're not going to single out Whistling Straits just because it's pretty pricey. And so is Pebble, so is Kiowa, so is Pinehurst, so is TPC Sawgrass. These are kind of bucket list destinations. It's supply and demand, and everybody wants to check those golf courses off in their lifetime. And so it's understandable why it's a premium to, to play there. So when you get a golf course of Lawsonia's quality on their links course and say, yeah, I can play that three or four times, you know, for what I pay for one of the other ones. I mean, okay, they're not going to host a major, you know, you're not going to walk in those famous footsteps, but for quality golf and a superb design, I mean, you know, that's, that's worth doing multiple plays. Yeah.
0: Last one we'll get to before we, you know, kind of give a nod to others and then talk about Michigan uh, is Sand Valley, and Joe. I've contended, I visited Sand Valley. Uh, this was probably three years ago now, two and a half, three years ago. Um, it's my favorite golf resort in in the country, and it's hard. Kinda to put into words, that's that's annoying for me to say. It's hard to put into words why, but uh, it's just so different than anything that I've experienced. And you talk about, you know, manufacturing something out of nothing. The land at Sand Valley, a dream golf property, uh, cousins with Bandon Dunes and Cabot Cape Breton, uh, was built on a glacial deposit uh, from you know, prehistoric flooding in the region, essentially, that laid down this this sandy bed for a lot of these great courses in the area to be built on. But Sand Valley's in less than 10 years, has jumped up the ranks with a and Crenshaw course, uh, with a David McClay kid course, Mammoth Dunes, their 17-hole par 3 course, the Sandbox, and uh, as many people know, They have recreated the famous Lido from Long Island, the lost course from Stephen McDonald that was considered up there with the greatest courses ever built. Uh, They, Tom Doak, Brian Schneider, and a guy named Peter Flory, uh, who was able to digitize the Lido's uh, routing, every nook and cranny has been accounted for uh, as best as they can to make a uh, replica, an exact recreation of this course. And that's set to open this summer uh, for people who, who want to go play uh, Sand Valley's version of Doledo. Uh It will be semi-private. It's open to resort guests to play, uh, but a lot of it will be member-based. But uh, they are have something special brewing there, it seems like. Uh, but right now, Sand Valley, at the top of my list in terms of golf resorts, Joe, I think you've been there, too. What did you think of that place?
1: Yeah, that's an impressive recommendation, uh, Al, for you to call it your favorite. Um, and, and, and that speaks volumes, you know, for uh, not just the quality of the offerings, but the hospitality that's extended at Sand Valley. Uh, I, I had one visit to Sand Valley, so there's some new golf that I need to see, but uh, mine was a special visit. Got to play uh, the Sandbox, the 17-hole par-3 course, with Mike Kaiser, the father of it all, and, uh, and with Jimmy Kidd, David Kidd's father. Um, that, was, that was a nice pairing, and uh, to see the magic that Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw worked on that small site for 17 par threes was a joy, but the two championship courses I did play, um, again, it's just, if you love playing golf and playing golf all day, it's just a joy. It's an absolute joy. And, and here's what I mean by that. Okay. Instead of just spouting platitudes, the original championship course there by Bill core and Ben Crenshaw, Um, just, you know, a typical classic effort from them with emphasis on ground game features where you can run the ball in and use those strategies. What David Kidd did with the next course there, Mammoth Dunes, uh, was was just amp up the scale even further. Uh, You know, exaggerated features, including aesthetic features, but... I mean, dare I say, even more fun than the Core Crenshaw course. Both are great. But you come away with, and, and easy enough to play both in, in one day, but what you come away with most is when you compare it to the experience of Whistling Straits, which is, or, or Black Wolf Run. But I mean, you know, Black Wolf Run, Whistling Straits, it's going to beat you up a bit. It really is. Okay, I mean, you're loving it, but you're going to lose some golf balls. You know, there are lots of force carries. It's just the kind of big, bold golf that that is. At Sand Valley, Al, um, you're probably not going to lose any golf balls. You're just going to zip one around... And have it run along the ground. And you're going to try to, you want to play these courses again and again because you want to figure out how to best use those slopes and contours to get get you where you want to go. So I love them both, but there's a almost a little difference in the in the stress factor, so to speak, where you know you've got to bring your A game at Whistling Straits and Black Wolf Run. Uh, And at Sand Valley, the A game is as much mental and uh and figuring out you know how to solve the puzzles as opposed to just executing golf shots in a in a spectacular setting
0: that's well said uh yeah at both those courses at sand valley the ball just kind of bumbles and and finds uh paths to the hole that you know aren't conventional uh it's almost an exercise in, in exploration. Uh, you talk about not losing a ball, but you find your ball in places you, you might not normally have to face, uh, on just any old run of the mill golf course. Mammoth Dunes is probably the most fun course I've ever played hundred yard wide fairways, massive green complexes. And, um, it's, uh, it's kind of one of those, you know, like Dream Golf kind of does. It's in the middle of nowhere, and then you've just got this, this paradise, this golf oasis that that pops up, uh, and it's so much fun, so much fun. Um, before we move on to Michigan, any other Wisconsin courses you think worth noting? I know, talk about golf resorts uh, in. Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, there's a 54-hole golf resort, Geneva National, uh, that has some pretty good golf. And an Arnold Palmer course, a Lee Trevino course, I think a Gary Player course there are the three. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, a lot of good golf uh, to be played there. Uh, Another lakeside course, or lakeside venue, excuse me. Uh, Different lake, though, not the, the big Lake Michigan, but Lake Geneva. Uh, Joe any any others make your honorable mention
1: yeah I mean I have never played there, never been there but a Jack Nicholas course called the Bull at Pinehurst Farms seems to jump up in a lot of people's lists if they like really tough you know scenic golf um, and that's certainly what Jack was building in those days. Uh, that one jumps up onto a lot of the lists but but my personal favorite for a little more under the radar, it's called University Ridge. I wish it had a little more dramatic name, more descriptive name, but it's okay. University meaning University of Wisconsin. University Ridge uh, is just outside of Madison, where and it's the home course of the University of Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, 1991 Robert Trent Jones Jr. golf course, but... Again, uh, worked on by Jay Blossie, the University of Wisconsin alum, who um, uh, came in about uh, 2008 with a renovation, improved the practice facilities and so forth. A great mix of kind of uh, prairie holes that have wetlands on them and then rolling parkland holes. And man, I mean, to do that, to play the golf course and go see a University of Wisconsin game in the same weekend is a special weekend. But uh, again, underrated, Uh, it's been host to uh, the uh, what they call the PGA Tour champions uh, over the last few years. I don't know if they're playing again this year. But um, again, if you happen to find yourself in Madison, or even Milwaukee, it's worth seeking out to play that one.
0: I like what you said uh talking about an under the radar place. Here's where I'm I'm thinking the the conversation lies and and maybe you know Joe and I are both big college basketball fans so let's look at it this way. Wisconsin seems like that group uh that team that you know there's four or five five-star recruits. A uh, bunch of bunch of freshmen that have been recruited, uh, and they're they're a high level seed going into the tournament. Um, you know, highly touted places that are that are new and fresh faces. Uh, whereas Michigan kind of seems like this under the radar type of team that has some seasoned veterans to it, uh, some grit, some guys that have been there. Uh, and and stuck around, uh, but are are kind of under the radar. They might make a push in the, in this hypothetical NCAA tournament of college basketball teams that are also states with golf courses. However, I'm doing that in my head. Um, Michigan seems more like the seasoned sort of team that that might sneak up on you because it's uh, the quality there is so good. Um, are you still following me on this?
1: Its an interesting analogy that uh, you're pursuing, Al. and uh, but I, I don't have a problem at all if you're veering into college basketball. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I think when you're talking about like like five star recruits, so to speak, with Wisconsin, it's just because so many of their great golf courses are not only public access, but recent. You know, they've all popped onto the right. radar screen. Uh, you know, within the last 25 years, but the majority of them within the last 10. So, uh, wow, bang, 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 bang. And, you know, hey, here we are, Wisconsin. In Michigan, they have had an abundance of quality public access golf for a long time. I mean, meaning many of their best public golf courses were around in the 80s. Uh, and and even 70s and early 90s. And they haven't added as much in the last, well, nowhere near as much in the last 10 to 15 years compared to Wisconsin. And so you do have those established veterans that used to get more of the limelight, you know, put them together on the same team. And they're capable of beating anybody um, in the right moment. But, um, yeah it's it's just been a little while since some of their new public courses have had the spotlight the way Wisconsin's have
0: so let's do that same exercise where we started with Wisconsin and and what first popped into your into your mind so what is the first place that pops into your mind for michigan
1: um i don't know necessarily why but okay name association boyne boyne was just this ski resort uh for decades and decided in maybe the 1970s to add some golf um, so that they could attract year-round visitors and they started with uh, some local architects uh, along then with bringing robert Trent jones senior in and to me in my mind that kind of started the explosion The Michigan, northern Michigan golf explosion of like five or six different courses associated with Boyne, Boyne Highlands, Boyne Mountain, Bay Harbor, eventually joined that family, so to speak. And a whole bunch of mom and pops decided to up their game by building yet another new course with a more renowned architect. And all of a sudden, Michigan became this place where like you're as a course collector, especially you know, public courses, like it's impossible to get to all of them. How how am I going to get up there and how do I choose? What's the pecking order? There's just so many quality golf courses. So long-winded way of saying as I usually am, Boeing kind of where it starts for me and the first name that pops into my head. But um yeah, I mean there are some others that quickly jump up there. And I know you and I are going to talk about them.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Bay Harbor is that, is that technically under the, the Boyne umbrella
1: there? It was at one time and I apologize (laughs) for not, for not knowing if it still is. Um, it had its own inn, it has some real estate. Um, but it was kind of a premium offering within the Boyne family, uh, and and I can't swear that that's the way it still exists.
0: Yeah. Uh, it it looks to be still still under that umbrella, and yeah, you know, that's one that people point to is kind of like has almost a pebble beach feel to it. it if you're going to talk about that, you know, comparison um, on the shores of Lake Michigan as well obviously the other side from wisconsin like those courses we were talking about um 27 holes out there that get right there on the shoreline of lake michigan um so as as, in terms of being picturesque and playing uh some extraordinary scenic golf that that seems to be at the top of that list
1: yeah i mean the of the Three nines. The links and the quarry are kind of the two best nines for me, um, and, and and the most holes that tangle. I mean, with the quarry, but also the views of the lake. So you know, it's a it's an excellent experience. However, there is a golf course with lake views um, that kind of has eclipsed Bay Harbor. Um, you know, in the rankings in the last ten. 10 or so years. Um, and uh, and that's Arcadia Bluffs. Al, what uh, what are your impressions of Arcadia Bluffs? I've not had the pleasure of being there.
0: I have not either. Um, it's, again, it's a place I've seen in pictures. I know that you have the two courses there, right? So the Bluffs course and the South course. Uh, the South is, is kind of known for its... Um, you know, square greens, like some of those architectural quirk features that you don't see uh, at a lot of places that, that people really, it really resonates with uh, when you're looking at uh, photos of a golf course.
1: Yeah, it was definitely Dana Fry's homage to the Seth Rayner, more C.B. McDonald, but especially Seth Rayner, the more linear style um, and those guys did a ton of work on Long Island and so forth, but they, they did a few courses in the Midwest too. And, you know, again, I mean, whether you like mimics or homages or whatever, if you bring some of that to a place that doesn't have any of it, I mean, you know, that's, that's okay too. And apparently the critics have, uh, ha- have enjoyed this. It's got good rankings. Um, but the Bluffs course itself, uh, seems to you know, top the list in terms of most dramatic scenery, and uh, and and the, a, a real must-play up there.
0: Yeah, it's one that always comes in the conversation, right? When you're talking about Michigan golf, uh, it sure. seems to have worked its way up to the top of that that list in terms of the the best places, public places to play golf in the state. Um, you know, sitting high above Lake Michigan too. Uh, we're talking about you know almost 200 feet on these bluffs above the lake, so um, if you've been and played at Bandon, that's kind of the feel that I envision uh, you get at some points at Arcadia Bluffs as well. Uh, looking to the interior of the state, uh, the one that I see and, and hear a lot about there is, is forest dunes. And a lot of that has to do with um, you've got the one course designed by Tom Weiskopf that's been there for a little while. Uh, but in recent years, they added a reversible course from Tom Doak uh, called The Loop. And reversible meaning one day it will play uh, clockwise, the next day it'll play counterclockwise um, same greens, same teas, just in a different direction. Um, but again, I have not been to forest dunes yet. Have you, Joe?
1: Well, I have, I have been to forest Students. I have played the Weisskopf course, but, uh, I, I have not returned, uh, to see the loop and the Weisskopf course <laughs> I mean, there were, I mean, there were a couple of different rankings where that was ranked in the top 100 for all golf courses in the United States. That's how highly regarded that the original Tom Weisskopf course is there. Uh, Absolutely stunning, beautiful, no real estate. You know, it's core golf with a number of different environments, sand and forest, you know, and lakes that it goes through. I mean, really beautiful and tranquil Speaking of tranquil, the greens were a little bit too calm for my money, Um, to each his own, you know, it it was not difficult, Uh, they were perfectly maintained, Uh, not difficult to sink some putts, but, you know, kind of remember a lot of just straight putts on perfectly conditioned greens. And uh, I like a little more movement um, in my greens. And uh, I would gather that that's uh, a big highlight of the loop because Tom Doak is certainly known for his green contouring.
0: I think, you know, and these are the names that are kind of high on the list that a lot of people know about. Um, You can certainly work your way around uh, and find different great quality golf nearby. A lot of these places we're talking about Um, I know there's a big golf resort that's that's kind of near forest dunes as well uh, called treetops that has like 81 holes or something.
1: Yeah. Again, like you don't hear much about treetops anymore. All right. It's just possibly because it's just kind of lost in all of this golf. But man, in its day, um, four championship 18s, I've played one of them um they used to get terrific coverage from the original golf course they had there that was a robert trent jones course just for its fall foliage pictures the elevation changes with the beautiful leaves in the background but um i think a little something that put him on the map was when espn televised uh, the national it was a par three event where lee trevino made a famous hole in one yeah he did that at pga west too but this was on their par three course called Three Tops, a play on their name of Tree Tops. And uh, at one point, I ranked that as either the best or the second best par three course in the country. So, you know, it's, it's a cart ride, which has fallen out of favor, you know, somewhat, especially in a par three experience. But oh my goodness, for pure drama, you know, just up and down one spectacular drop shot after the next, it's a can't miss
0: you know we talked about playing some golf that's unlike anything that you play anywhere else when we, when we talked about Wisconsin and Sand San Valley fitting that bill and that kind of thing um lest we forget uh before we end the conversation you've got the glove of Michigan you've got Wisconsin up above both of them you've got the up the upper peninsula which also has some pretty high quality golf uh chief amongst it of course uh at marquette golf club by mike devries called gray walls um from from all indication and the name kind of says the story there uh you're playing through these these rocky outcroppings and you know sometimes you get a mountain course that has you know, some rocks sticking out and stuff like that. But this is on another level. So don't forget about the Upper Peninsula when you're thinking about uh, places to go in Michigan and play unique public golf courses, Gray Walls being chief among those things. There's a couple of resorts up there, casino resorts. Um, There's one called Island Casino and Resort. And they have a course called Sweetgrass out there. I've seen pictures. They've got uh, one of, a great Island green that you can play at that club as well. Um, Joe, we have a couple others we want to mention before we we wrap up this conversation on Michigan. Where, where else do you want to give a nod?
1: Well, Al, I like what you hit on about tr- trying to find a unique golf experience. You know, there are just so many You've got to take off your socks and shoes to count how many Wonderful golf courses there are throughout Michigan, both in the urban areas and then especially up north, Gaylord, Petoskey, Traverse City, you know, these places, really the summer destinations. But uh, one I haven't been to, but I've seen it on television, that just seems interesting to me is Harbor Shores, which is a Jack Nicklaus design, and uh, it's practically on the lake um, in Benton Harbor. You know, sort of uh, right on the border there, uh, with Michigan and Illinois, and they played. I don't know, uh, three maybe three senior PGA championships there, maybe more. Um, Jack was in that period where he was designing the wildest greens almost he could, and uh, if you you can YouTube this or however you reach this, but you know he was challenged on the air one of his you know greens he and johnny miller i think were on the green and jack dropped a ball and yeah yeah jack i dare you to get down in two from here from 80 feet or whatever it was and he rolled it up and through and to and fro and of course the ball dropped into the cup sinking about an 80 footer uh, incredible moment and uh, i get a kick out of it every time i see that so you know, it's a it's an excellent golf course, a tournament golf course. You know, you, you have to decide for yourself if you like that much movement on the greens. But, um, you know, Harbor Shores is certainly one worth checking out. And speaking of Jack Nicholas, I know you're familiar with a, a Jack Nicholas project that uh, probably is one of the most unique golf experiences in the country. And it's in Michigan.
0: Yeah, get really good segue. It's one of the newer courses that has opened in Michigan uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, a course called American Dunes in Grand Haven, and uh, this was a, a Jack Nicholas redo uh, to taking an old tired course and gotten um, involved Jack with the the Folds of Honor Foundation, um, supporting veterans uh, and a guy named Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney. And, and jack paired up to completely redo um i want to say it was was it grand haven it was club?
1: Well, yeah yeah grand haven even municipal yeah, um, yeah. well I, I don't even know if it was a muni, but it was definitely a public course and it's interesting al because it was a public course that was pretty well regarded but the nicholas folks and analyzing it with uh lieutenant colonel dan rooney said we've got all this sand here and it was a totally forested golf course near the lake and uh, they decided to make it over not only from the design standpoint but from an experience standpoint
0: so they kind of did that along that same tune they moved all the trees out and kind of blew out the sand dunes pushed them up and and crafted this brand new course uh there in michigan that was a, a really fun experience and for a great cause. It's, you know, extremely patriotic. When you walk in, they have a um this kind of observance hall that you walk through uh, telling some stories uh from the Folds of Honor Foundation and, and some of these fallen veterans um who the, the foundation is now helping their families and and proceeds from the golf course go back towards the foundation. So um it was the kind of golf round that uh, that resonates you with you in a different way, uh, because there's you know more meaning to it. But besides just checking off another course on your list, um, beyond it being what I thought was a, a extremely fun and uh, challenging course in different ways than you're normally accustomed to, um, a lot of sand facing off and. Uh, rolling up and down which is not really evident when you walk out there uh but once you get into it uh there's it's kind of like a, a bowl that you're you're navigating through and um it, it was a very memorable round for me so uh loved that that would be one i would highly recommend adding to this this grand list as well
1: well said sir
0: so, you know, in this contest and and I think this is still where I'm at, the you know the the higher heavy hitting courses that um are getting a lot of attention seem to be in Wisconsin. More bucket list rounds are probably there than in Michigan, but uh Michigan kind of outweighs with the sheer number of the volume of courses that are presented. Uh, across the state. Is that how you kind of see it, Joe?
1: That's exactly how I see it.
0: Good deal. Well, hopefully we've given some people uh, an idea to, to plan a summer golf trip to somewhere different than these usual suspects uh, on either coast venture to the Midwest and, and check out what that is all about, because there is a lot of good golf to go around.
1: Definitely worth the journey.
0: Joe, thanks for your time again today. And we'll figure out something
1: else to talk about next time. Excellent, Al.